It's getting to be that time of year again. That time where your Netflix queue lists very long wait for planes, trains, and automobiles. And you begin to worry that you're going to be too late to get some new Christmas decorations for sale at Michael's. That time where you just want to be surrounded by your family and your friends and drink wine and share some stories from the last year. Well, good news, everybody. Second Story is hosting a huge Thanksgiving party at City Winery on Tuesday, November 26th, with live music from the Harold Washington Trio. Join Second Story for Feast, Stories of Together. Tickets and more information on the Second Story website at secondstory.com or at the City Winery website at citywinery.com slash Chicago. This, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast. Family is what ties us together, whether it's the one you're born into or the one that you choose. And a family is made up of those people who know the jokes that will always make you laugh, who know when to speak and when to stay silent, and who will always be there ready to listen with a smile. In this week's Second Story podcast, Sherry Pentamone has her world shattered, and you'll be surprised to hear who helps her pick up those pieces. Sherry is a Second Story company member and an active graphic designer in Chicago. For more of her work, visit her website at thingsbysherry.com. With her story titled, Loud Concerts and Silent Films, Second Story proudly presents Sherry Pentamone. The gate creaked open, and another group filed in for their haunted tour. Their guide, a silent creature draped in a long black robe. They walked along tombstones and tattered curtains and windows. As they passed by, I watched from behind my mask, sitting as still as I could. They inched along together into a dark passage illuminated by dim purple lights overhead. I could hear some rustling and then screams. I, as the group came by again, I watched with anticipation, waiting for my chance until I shot up and ran right for them as I screamed, They let out some more surprise shrieks, and it was hilarious. And that's how my mom did Halloween when I was about 12 years old. (laughs) Being able to create totally new worlds for me to inhabit was as natural to my mom as breathing. Growing up in the suburbs of Chicago near O'Hare, I lived with her, my older half-brother, and my grandma. My dad lived a couple of towns over, and I got to see him every weekend. But when it was just my mom and me, and it wasn't a holiday, we would sometimes take quiet bike rides down our town's empty side streets, and I'd pedal behind her as I watched wind blow through brown hair that wasn't actually hers. Her hair was this wavy brunette lion's mane, and shaving it all off was the first thing she did when she learned that her chemo treatments would make it fall out anyway. The second thing she did was get Chinese food for dinner. But even though she was strong, her cancer became relentless. Her older brother, Chuck, showed up to help out around the house because suddenly my mom's bad days started outnumbering her good ones. 
And suddenly a hospital bed was being moved into her bedroom. And suddenly that bed was the only place that we could find her. And suddenly it was 6 a.m., November 14th, 2002. I can still feel every line of my Uncle Chuck's hand meeting mine. His low voice shook as he said, she's gone. In the months that followed my mom's funeral, no one at home really talked about her anymore. Instead, my brother wordlessly took on the more mundane things she used to deal with, like getting the groceries and helping with the bills. My grandmother would make herself physically sick, constantly worrying about me, and I went numb. A couple of years into high school, I learned that I could at least distract myself from the numbness as I became concerned with three main things. My friends, loud concerts, and Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, <laughs> let me explain that last one real quick. See, I'd had an obsession with Chaplin since like seventh grade when I got to watch a movie of his in a music class. What can I say? He did that famous little waddle right off the screen and into the center of my punk rocker wannabe heart. Already having a deep-seated appreciation appreciations for new worlds, I automatically fell in love with the ones Charlie created. I devoured all the books about him that I could get my hands on and saved each penny I got to slowly collect every single film he ever made. This interest confused almost all of the adults in my life. When I told my dad about it for the first time, he asked me like he hadn't heard me correctly, you like Charlie Chaplin? Yeah, I love his movies. Huh, that's kind of different for someone your age. My friends basically just accepted it, especially my bestie, Samantha, who harbored some obsessions of her own, like The Nightmare Before Christmas and Nutella. So she had those things and I had Chaplin, but we really bonded over our shared infatuation, music. The older we got, the more we discovered we loved going to concerts. And a lot of the shows that we went to were small and local, but in October of our sophomore year, we were going to go to a much bigger one. It was not our first big show. It was, however, our first time attending the Nintendo Fusion Tour. And this was a tour all about music and video games, hence fusion. So when I go to a concert today, it's usually because I want to go to enjoy the band with my friends, maybe dance, have a drink. But back then, I was drawn to them for the release that they offered. My mom had been gone for three years, and I still had no idea how to actually move on. And looking back at those years, it was as though the numbness had put my life on hold and I was just waiting for my ability to feel to come back. When the night of the concert arrived, Sam and I stepped out of the bitter October air into the crowded Congress Theater and shoved our way into the center of the main floor. Rocking her black wavy hair, dark eyeliner, thick lip ring, and nose ring, Sam Ninja death gripped her long nails into my back so she didn't get lost in the sea of people. If you've ever been to a show, you know that feeling, right? The lights go down and the crowd fills the room with one deafening cheer. 
The stage lights go up, a banner with the band name drops, and the first guys from the and the guys from the first band come out and pick up their instruments. That night, it was story of the year. Their first song erupted out of like 20 giant amplifiers, and I was suddenly in a world so loud that I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't hear my peers talking about going to going to parties and being in relationships, things I couldn't relate to. I couldn't hear teachers telling me, Sherry, you're going to fail if you don't get a 90% or higher on this final. And I couldn't hear my brother barking, did you get a job yet? Or are you just gonna go to sleep again because you're so fucking lazy? Or my grandmother threatening, Cher, if you stay out late, I'll just go move with my sister in Nevada and you won't have to bother with me anymore. I didn't have to stop to think, like I do now, that my family was as confused about things as I was after my mom died. All I had to do was lose it in the chaotic white noise and ignore that deep down what I really wanted, what I really yearned for was quiet. When it was late at night and I was alone, I sought out Chaplin and his brand of silence. The movie frames moved quickly, and the music was sometimes upbeat, but Charlie still let painful things take place in his stories, and by the end, he would always adjust. I wanted to know how to be in that world. At the show, I let the guitars tear into me, and the drums and the bass throw me around, and the screaming vocals energize me. The crowd physically moved me in every direction, and I pushed toward the music. I pushed into strangers and felt pointy parts of limbs digging into my stomach and sides. This was how I connected with other humans. I could scream at the top of my lungs and make whatever noises felt good. My sweat burned my eyes while beams of thick, blinding light shot off the stage in every direction. Colors, smells, flesh, sound, it all blended together. But this time... Instead of losing myself in it, I started to lose my stomach. Sam was beside me at one point, and I realized that I needed to get out. I grabbed her shoulders and pointed to the edge of the crowd. She helped me get to an area where I stood with my hands cupping my knees, bending over, hoping like crazy that I wouldn't get sick. She shouted, Are you okay? <sighs> yeah. Let's go home. When I got to my bed, I fell asleep pretty much immediately. I felt awful when I woke up. I laid there, resting my greasy hairs on my pillow, my body wrapped up in a thick black hoodie with my legs curled tight under loose sweatpants. I stared at the band posters on my wall, wondering if I was just getting too old to go to crazy concerts anymore getting too tired to keep avoiding the numbness. A boulder grew so large in my throat that I began to have trouble swallowing. My nose ran, my eyes overflowed, and my thoughts flickered and morphed, making no real sense, and then I turned over. My little TV displayed a menu screen from one of the DVDs that I had left on a few nights before. It was softly repeating a few seconds of the main score, waiting for me to make a choice. I reached for the remote and hit play movie. In shaky white lettering appeared the title, Charlie Chaplin in The Kid. 
Underscored by a dreamy orchestral song, the first line of the film faded in. A picture with a smile and perhaps a tear. Soon it got to a scene where Charlie sits next to his small son who is sick in bed. He takes the boy's limp hand into his own childlike hand and looks right into the camera. His sincere eyes were just so dark. I paused the movie. My heart began to pound as I stared back at Charlie's monochrome face. I couldn't shake the feeling that he was looking at me. It was like he was there holding my hand and he was there with me. My eyes watered as I realized that I was experiencing a deep connection with someone who wasn't actually there. I didn't question why it was happening. I was just amazed it was happening at all. And I wasn't wishing I could run away into a world filled with noise or even spend the rest of my days in Chaplin's world. All I wanted to do was to use my new feeling to connect with the world in which I lived. That was Sherry Pentamone. Who was your Charlie Chaplin? Who helped you remember how to feel when all you could feel was numb? That story was curated by Nick Ward, with performance direction from Julian Stroop and a sound design from Eric Haven. Second Story podcasts are brought to you by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the City Arts Program, the Chicago Community Foundation, part of the Chicago Community Trust, and the Arts Work Fund. Second Story podcasts are produced by Eric Hazen, with special thanks to Sherry Pentamone and C.P. Chang. I'm Ozzie Totten, and this is Second Story.